Oh, I love that song. Uh, I don't know about you. I just feel like anytime I think of what Christ did for me, uh, it just wells up in me. I'm not, a, I'm not usually a crier, uh, but somehow there's things that touch my heart. And there used to be a time that I hid that and tried to keep people from seeing it, but I don't anymore. I just love him. Um, it's a privilege to, uh, to get a chance to share God's word with you today. If you want to follow along, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. Uh, thanks to John and Leah in the back for getting that up there for us. Eventually, we'll jump into it here in just a minute. Um, so Luke chapter 5. Uh, how was Christmas? Hopefully you uh, enjoyed your Christmas celebration. You had a Merry Christmas. If you were here last week, you saw a video of the pastors up there answering questions about Christmas, right? One of the questions uh, was sort of this choice of something or leave your Christmas decorations up until March. (laughs) I cringed when I heard that. Uh, I'm one of those people that likes to take my Christmas decorations down. Mine are all down. It was a nice sunny day on Friday, nice and warm. I took my decorations down outside. Uh, It's not that I'm a Scrooge. Like, I like Christmas. I really look forward to it. But I'm also the sort of person that likes to move on to the next thing and to get back to normal life. Because somehow Christmas season sort of feels surreal. Like, it's not really the way we always live. I'm thankful for the slowdown and pace, but I'm also glad to get back to sort of the normal. And that's sort of my plan for today, is to get back to... Normal. So if you're, if you're one of those leave your Christmas decorations up until March kind of people, you'll have to bear with me. You can go ahead, continue to think about baby Jesus and Christmas and all of that. But we're going to move on to something that Jesus did uh, once he grew up. We'll be in uh, Luke chapter 5. But before we start, would you pray with me? Lord, uh, we're just thankful for uh, your word. We're thankful for your people and your house that we're in today. And I pray, God, today you would fill my thoughts with your thoughts, that you would fill my words with your words, that you would fill all of our hearts with your love, for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen. So Luke chapter 5. We're going to jump right in, and I'll give a little bit of an explanation later of why we're here. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. Leprosy was a contagious skin disease. And at the time, there was no cure. 
The disease still exists today, although it goes by a different name. In fact, I learned that in the United States, there are approximately 20,000 cases every year of leprosy. But it can be successfully treated now, and so often we don't hear about it. I considered putting up a picture of someone who had leprosy, but I thought better of that. Instead, I'll tell you that the word comes from the Greek word lepra, which refers to scabs or peeling. (laughs) Those who contracted this disease would die a very slow and painful and lonely death. The Old Testament had instructions for what to do when someone contracted this disease or when they were thought to have contracted this disease. And Leviticus chapter 13 goes into great detail about what was to be done. Basically, the person who thought they had leprosy went to the priest, the priest examined them, and they were put into sort of a temporary quarantine to see whether it got better or it got worse. And if it got worse and it was determined to be leprosy, then that person was declared to be unclean. The law from Leviticus was still in effect at the time of our story. The man in our story is said to be full of leprosy. So we can assume this is someone who had the disease for quite some time. Right at first, maybe they noticed This man noticed it on his skin and maybe became concerned like any of us would. And when he realized that it wasn't going away, he followed the instructions, went to the priest. And we have to assume that at some point in time, this man was declared to be unclean. Now, Leviticus chapter 13 tells us what this man would have had to do from that point forward. It says this, The leprous person who has the disease, shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling place shall be outside the camp. So a person who had this disease had very clear rules that had to be followed, and these were not like private doctor's orders, right? Everyone understood what the laws were, and these laws were enforced. Now, in some of the reading that I did about this, it also said that there seemed to be another practical law in place that said a leper was not allowed to be within six feet of anyone else, including their own family, And if the wind happened to be blowing, the distance increased to 150 feet. So this was a person who wasn't able to have contact with people. Because of this disease that this man had, he lived rejected. He lived in public shame. And he lived alone. And I want to spend some time considering those three conditions about this particular man. Let's start with the fact that he was rejected. As a leper, this man was rejected in multiple ways. 
The fact that he was unclean prohibited him from participating in activities. He couldn't be around people. He couldn't touch people. He couldn't touch things. He wasn't allowed to go to the temple. This man would have felt rejection from everyone around him. No one wanted to be near him. Nobody wanted to see him. They were probably some who not only walked the other way, but looked the other way when they saw him. He would have lived with this disease and a very deep level of rejection. In many ways, someone who was a leper lost their identity. Right? Oftentimes, the Bible just refers to them as a leper rather than by their name. We don't know what this man's name was. We don't know what his family was. We don't know what city he came from. He's just a man with leprosy. Well, not only did this man live with rejection, but he also lived with public shame. Right? It just kind of came with the rules. The law said that anyone with this disease had to wear ragged clothes and leave their hair unkept. Right? We all have our Sunday clothes on. This is my Sunday shirt. Right? We don't usually go around having torn and ragged clothes and our hair all in it. I mean, sometimes teenagers maybe do that if they just rolled out of bed. Uh, <laughs> I'm allowed to say that because I worked in the youth group for a long time. Uh, but clearly that contributed to the shame that he felt. He, he had to walk around in such a way so that everybody knew who he was and he was one of them. Not only that, he also had to walk around yelling, unclean, unclean, if someone got near him. Imagine the, the shame that someone would feel. All right? Imagine what people said. What are you doing here? We don't want your kind here. Don't touch anything. Why don't you go back to where you came from? Right? Or maybe the conversations on the side. Right? People would say, why doesn't he just go away? What's wrong with him? Or maybe the question that hurt the worst, what did he do that made God punish him this way? Right? That's actually a, a question that I think has some foundational truth in the Bible. If you think back in the Old Testament, you can find stories of leprosy being a judgment from God. Moses' sister, Miriam, got leprosy as a judgment for complaining. Right? Use that with your kids. Uh, Gehazi, who was a servant to Elisha, got leprosy because of greed. And King Uzziah had leprosy break out on his forehead because of pride. People would have been right to wonder what the man in our story had done to be punished by God this way. Certainly this man would have experienced much shame and it's likely that those who had this disease avoided being around people as much as possible. 
They were perhaps even thankful for their place outside the city. Well, let's consider one more thing about this man's condition, and it's exactly that. As a leper, this man was forced to live alone outside of the city. You know, as people, we've been created to interact with each other. It's just kind of how we're designed, with the desire to know and to be known. And although at times we may desire to be alone, nobody wants to be alone all the time. And that's what a leper would have experienced, loneliness. He wouldn't have had interaction with his family, probably. Certainly no interaction with his former co-workers if he had them, right, or other people. Probably didn't get a friendly hello in the market. A leper was alone. If the city happened to have multiple lepers, Maybe there'd be someone that he would be with outside of the city, but otherwise he was alone. The disease that this man had made him an outcast. He was rejected. He was publicly shamed. And he was alone. And he could do nothing about it. There was no way he could hide the disease there was no way he could cure the disease, and there was no way he could forget all that the disease had taken from him. So I wonder, have you ever found yourself in a similar place to this leper, the man in our story? Now, I'm not talking about having an incurable skin disease. What I'm talking about is finding yourself in a place spiritually where you realize there was absolutely nothing you could do about your own sin. Maybe you tried. Maybe you resolved to try harder. And yet, you found yourself stumbling in the same ways. Maybe you tried to cover it up and again went back. Or perhaps you tried isolating yourself so that others around you don't know. Sin can cause us to feel the same rejection and shame and loneliness that leprosy could. On top of that, Satan would heap on top of us that same rejection and guilt and shame. He would say that there's no hope for you. You're never going to be able to be different. This is just how you are. You're messed up. And you might as well just forget about trying to change. Well, I can tell you that that is not true. Jesus is willing to heal a leper, and today he's willing to heal us. So if you felt the same rejection and loneliness today because of sin, Jesus is willing to forgive and heal. Now, when a person comes face-to-face -face with their sin, they have two choices. Right? One, they can resign themselves to the fact that this is kind of just the way it is, and I'm just always going to be this way, and there's nothing I can do about it, so I might as well just go about and continue in it. And the second choice would be to determine yourself to say, no, I'm going to do whatever it takes in order to find a solution for my sin.
I want to spend just a couple minutes talking about those two options that we have. The first option would be to overlook the news of Jesus and his ability to heal and cleanse and forgive. It would be like the leper in our story hearing about Jesus and knowing that Jesus could heal him and yet never seeking him out, never pursuing him, and never being healed. The same sort of thing can happen to us today. Right? Some people believe that they can never be cleansed for what they've done. Their sin is just too horrible. Right? Other people just ignore it sort of indifferently. And some people love the pleasure of sin too much to turn to a Savior who can cleanse and forgive them. I could probably go on, but I won't. What I want to say is, I think it's safe to say that in a group this size, there are some people who when they hear the word of God and they hear that God can heal and cleanse and forgive, they tune it out. And I want to urge you today to drop your defense, lower your guard, and consider that God might be trying to speak to you today. And I'll tell you this, he doesn't want to speak to you as a judge for your sin. That day may be coming, but it is not today. I believe what God would want you to hear today is that there is a gracious and loving Savior who is willing to heal and forgive. Consider the second person, the second choice we have when we're confronted with our own sin. And this is a person who, like in our story, the leper was willing to do whatever it took to find cleansing and forgiveness. Look again at verse 12. It says, While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, If you will, you can make me clean. Somewhere along the way, Jesus, or this man had heard about Jesus. Right? We don't really know how. Maybe he heard the stories of what Jesus had done in chapter 4 where he was healing people. You might also notice that this is early in Jesus' ministry. In this same chapter earlier, Jesus just called the disciples. So the point I'm making is, Jesus hadn't healed a leper before. Okay, so this man would not have heard about or had seen Jesus healing a leper. And somehow this man became convinced that if Jesus could do those other things I've heard about, certainly he could cure my incurable disease. And he approached Jesus with faith and with humility. In order to get to Jesus, he would have had to go into the city and do the whole unclean shouting thing, right? Probably not his favorite thing to do. But his faith enabled him to do that. He had somehow become convinced that Jesus could heal him and there was nothing that was going to stop him from getting to Jesus. If you listen to his words it's apparent. It wasn't a question of whether Jesus could heal him. It was a question of, is Jesus willing to heal him? His focus was on Jesus alone. 
not the people around him. He spoke no words to anyone else but the Lord. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. This is, again, the response of that second person I was describing a moment ago. A person who's come to understand that they've sinned and that they're in need of a Savior. Maybe a person who's heard others talk about what Jesus has done in their lives or around them. Maybe a person who's read or seen something that Jesus did or said. Such a person comes to Jesus in faith and in humility. Faith to believe that what Jesus said is true and that there is salvation for those who will believe in him. But also humility. Coming and admitting that you don't have it all figured out and you're in need of saving. Well, if you find yourself in a similar state today, there's good news, not only for this man, but also for you. Jesus' response here is amazing, and I absolutely love it. Verse 13. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. How many of you think that Jesus could have healed this man without touching him? Certainly. So why did he touch him? If you think about it, this man with leprosy had not been touched in any way since the leprosy was discovered. Maybe it's been years, who knows? We don't know whether he had a wife or kids, but he hadn't been hugged, he hadn't been touched in any way for a very long time. And Jesus' response is to reach out and to touch him. Now, there's probably some people who are watching this and were like, oh my goodness, Jesus just touched a leper. Maybe they thought Jesus was going to become a leper, right? Or at least be unclean for a time. That's not what happened. Right? All the rules are different with Jesus. If a man or a woman were to touch a leper, they would become unclean. But that's not what happens when Jesus touches him. When Jesus touches someone who's unclean, they become clean. I love that. Scripture says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I believe that this story of Jesus cleansing a leper is a small glimpse of the larger work he came to do. Right? At Christmas, we know that his parents were told to, get, told to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Right? That's what his name means, Savior. And that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus fully entered into the condition of the human race and became sin for us. In one sense, you could say Jesus became an unclean leper when he took our sin upon himself. I want you to think with me for just a moment. 
As Jesus took our sin upon himself on the cross, he became unclean. And as a result, he was rejected, he was publicly shamed, and he was alone. And I want to look at those three conditions again. Jesus was rejected by the people whom he came to save, right? Those who led in the temple, the temple that he established, rejected him as Messiah. They turned him over to the Romans to be punished and to be crucified. And it was a fulfillment of prophecy. Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus was rejected. Consider also that Jesus was publicly shamed. Isaiah 50 says, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. He was wrongly accused. He was stripped and beaten. He was made to walk through the streets as people made a public spectacle of him as if they were triumphing over an enemy. And as he hung on the cross, they hurled insults at him as if the king of kings was a criminal and an outcast. He was publicly shamed for our sin. And third, I want you to consider that Jesus, when he took our place, was forced to die alone. Now, some of the kids in the room are probably thinking, wait a second, Jesus didn't die alone. There were two criminals who died with him. That's true. Not too similar for, not too different from a situation where a leper may have had others outside of the city with him as well under the same sentence. Psalm 22, verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried that out from the cross. Now that phrase is actually a difficult one. Right? Jesus saying to God, his Father, why have you forsaken me? How is it that one person of the Trinity can reject or forsake another person of the Trinity? I had a really hard time with that. And so I looked elsewhere and I found some help from John MacArthur. Here's what he says in part in a commentary on this. In this unique and strange miracle, Jesus was crying out in anguish because of the separation he now experienced from his heavenly Father, for the first time in all of eternity. It was the only time in which we have record that Jesus did not address God as Father. Because the Son had taken sin upon himself, the Father turned his back. That mystery is so great and imponderable that it's not surprising that Martin Luther is said to have gone into conclusion for a long time trying to understand it and came away just as confused as he began. In some way and by some means, in the secrets of divine sovereignty and omnipotence, the God-man was separated from God for a brief time at Calvary as the furious wrath of the Father was poured out on the sinless Son who in matchless grace became sin for those who believe in him. Jesus 
was separated from his father and died alone. I love this story. Our condition was incurable. Our sin was incurable in the same way that leprosy was incurable. But Jesus entered fully into it and experienced all the results of it. He willingly laid down his life for us and in a very real way, he said to all of us, I am willing, be clean. He willingly was made unclean and he took our sins upon himself. He was despised and rejected by men. He was forced outside of the city gates to be crucified alone on a hill called Golgotha. And he was separated from his father so that we might be cleansed. That's very good news. Well, the story of redemption doesn't end with Jesus' death on the cross. And in a similar way, this story here doesn't end with this man's healing. Take a look at verse 14. Jesus says, Go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for proof to them. Jesus tells the man, go back to the priest, do what the law says, and prove that the leprosy is gone. And in a similar way, Jesus went to his father, made an offering, and three days later rose from the grave as proof so that we might be cleansed and have new life. As I wrap things up now, I want to go back to the first part of verse 14, which I skipped just a second ago. It says, and he charged him to tell no one. Verse 15 says, but now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. So Jesus heals this man, and he says, shh. Right? Don't tell anyone. Now, we're not actually told here in this particular account, but if you go read the same account in the book of Mark, it says that this man went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news. I mean, you can hardly blame this guy, right? He just got cured of leprosy, and he's overwhelmed with joy and excitement. I'd imagine it's not too different from your first experience with Jesus. The first time you understood and received his forgiveness and healing, I would imagine it was something it was hard to be quiet about. Think with me for just a second about what this man would have said when he went out and talked about it. Right? It's simple. Sometimes we try to make the gospel, like, too complex, right? What did this guy say? I had leprosy. I was rejected. I was publicly shamed, and I was alone. And then I heard about Jesus, and I sought him out, 
and in faith and humility asked him to heal me, and he did. And now I'm clean, and I have a new life. Right? That's his story. That's an easy story for us to tell. In fact, that's the challenge that I think I'm going to take this new year looking ahead and the challenge I'd put before you today. Would you be someone who freely talks about it? Right? You don't have to have some prepared theological rhetoric memorized in order to share the gospel with someone. Right? We are supposed to be prepared, but not in that sense. We're to be prepared to share hope with someone who's hopeless. Right? And peace with someone who's troubled. Love with someone who's rejected. Or compassion with someone who's ashamed. Maybe it's friendship with someone who's alone. Jesus is all of those things and is the answer to all of those concerns. So when you talk with someone who finds themselves in one of those states, talk about what you know Jesus can do or perhaps what you've experienced him doing in your life. And whenever possible, make it personal like this man's story would have been. Well, as I close, I, I want to spend a moment and encourage you to listen. In fact, I want to ask that you close your eyes and, and listen to what God might be saying to you. All right? Maybe you're like this leper and you're at the place where you, you want to deal with something that you've struggled with for a very long time in your life. What would God say to you about that? Maybe you're not quite there yet. Not quite sure. But maybe you're willing to look and you're willing to listen. I wonder what God would say to you. Maybe you're just on the other side of that, having just recently encountered Jesus been healed and cleansed and forgiven. Or maybe you're years beyond that point and today just reminded of how much Jesus loves you and how good he is. I don't know what the Spirit of God might be urging you towards and I'm not going to pretend that I know. But I want you to know that there's going to be some people down front after the service who are here specifically to talk with you and to pray with you about what God might be putting on your heart. In fact, I'm going to ask those people if they would come down now as I close in prayer. God, I'm thankful for your word. We are thankful for your truth. God, where would we be if you weren't a gracious and loving Savior? We would still be rejected. We'd still be shamed and alone. We'd be lost, hopeless. 
lonely. God, thank you that you came to us at Christmas, that you came to save us. And I pray, God, that your spirit would move in our hearts today. Help us to see and hear what you're saying to us. And maybe if we're those people who have had such an experience with you like this, I pray that you'd make us bold, that we would share who we are and what you've done in our lives with the people around us. God, thanks for the peace and the rest that we feel in this season. And I pray that that would go with us as we go out today. Peace that you won for us by dying in our place. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.